Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Thank you so much for joining us again for another Anchor at Home. Today I want to share with you a simple yet powerful principle that I believe God desires for all of His children to walk in. To begin, I want to take you all the way back to when I was a kid. As a child, I remember my grandmother telling all of us grandkids about her childhood. And for some reason, out of all the stories that we heard over all those years, uh, there has always been three stories in particular that have really stuck with me. You know, she told us that when she was in elementary school, she had to walk to and from school every day. And she said that how in the winter months she would actually carry a a wrapped hot baked potato in her coat pocket to keep her hands warm as she was walking to school. And then she would eat that same potato for lunch once she got to school. She also told us that when she was a kid, all her family had for a bathroom was a seat that was made out of wood that was nailed to a tree in her backyard. She talked about how it would be extremely hot in the summer and freezing cold in the winter. And also remember talking about how embarrassing it was because as you'd go to the bathroom, everybody could see you. It's crazy to think about it now, but she said her family lived like that until she finally convinced her father to build an outhouse when she was 12 years old. The third thing that has stuck with me through all these years is when she said that she was in the sixth grade that her mother died of tuberculosis and how she had to quit school because her father needed her to stay home to take care of her younger siblings. As a kid, I remember joking and laughing about the potato in the bathroom, and my grandmother would always laugh about it too because she wasn't one to really ever feel sorry for herself. But It wasn't until I got older that I realized that my grandmother was trying to teach all of us grandkids a powerful life lesson. And that life lesson was simply this, that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, in this life, we need to be grateful. The word grateful means this. It means to show a deep appreciation for the kindness or benefits received. To show a deep appreciation for the kindness or benefits received. Another word that we could use there would be the word thankful. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget to apply the lesson my grandmother tried to teach me because sometimes my attitude isn't one of gratefulness. In fact, sometimes I find myself doing the exact opposite. I find myself being ungrateful. Now, what's the number one way that we express a lack of gratefulness? It's through complaining, right? Now, the word complain means to express dissatisfaction, resentment, and finding fault. Come on, I want you to think about this with me for a second. All around us right now, people are complaining. They don't like our government. They, they're complaining about the decisions our government's making. They're complaining about being stuck in their house. They are complaining about having to wear a mask. They're complaining about those people who aren't wearing a mask. They don't like standing you know, in a line in front of a store waiting for their turn to go in. They don't like the, the directional arrows in the grocery store. They complain about schooling their kids. They complain about all the people that aren't agreeing with them right now. They're griping about Zoom meetings. The list really goes on and on and on, not to mention the the thousand other things that we typically complain about as humans. But my point is this, is isn't it so easy to get 
into a mode of being dissatisfied in certain areas of our life. Isn't it easy to slip into a mode where we begin to find faults with everything and everyone around us? Isn't it easy to get so focused on what we don't have that we lose sight and forget about the things that we do have? In other words, we we forget about all the stuff that we should be thankful for. Now, let's stop for a moment and ask ourselves a question. Do we honestly think that God would rather us complain about all the things that we don't have? Or would He rather us find the positive in the midst of the things that we do have and be grateful? Be grateful for things like this that we should be grateful that we still live in a great nation, to be grateful for the fact that we, for some of us, still have a job, that we are receiving an education, that we have a car and a house that has, what, electricity and running water, that we have food to put on our table, that we have clothes to put on our back, that we have people in our lives that we can call family, and that we have a church, even if it's through a screen at the moment, where we can still be a part of it and still have the freedom to worship. I personally believe that God desires, yes, even in this hour, that we would have grateful hearts. I want to show you a verse that the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the church in Thessalonica. It says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, Rejoice always. And then he says, Pray without ceasing. And then verse 18, which is so key, in everything, it's easy to say, but my spouse, no, 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 but in everything, but my job, nope, in everything, give thanks. Why should we give thanks? Notice the next part. It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Come on, let those words sink in right now that in everything that we should give thanks. Why? Because it is the will of God for our lives. Now let the next five words sink in as well. Notice what it says in verse 19. It says, do not quench the spirit. This verse makes it extremely clear that it is the will of God for us to show deep appreciation for the kindness and the benefits that we have received from him. And when we don't, we not only step outside the will of God for our lives, but the Bible actually says right there that when we are not grateful, we actually quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I want to shift gears for a minute because I want us to actually look at a portion of Scripture that I believe captures the heart of what we're talking about today. If you can, look with me at Luke chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 11. It says this, it says, while Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And it says that they raised their voice and they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I, I want to pause there for a second. As most of us know, leprosy is a disease that is caused by a bacteria that affects the human body. This bacteria causes the hair follicles, the sweat glands, and the nerve endings in a person's body to be destroyed. The skin in an affected area becomes dry and it becomes discolored, and ultimately it causes the individual uh, to lose their sense of touch. In more severe cases, an individual can have large soft lumps on their face and all over their body. Their voice uh, will begin to change drastically. They can even go blind. Uh, their facial features can be destroyed and parts of their bodies like their fingers and their toes and their noses and their ears will actually begin to fall off. 
And if all of that wasn't bad enough, in the day that a person contracted leprosy, they were immediately shunned by society. They could no longer live in the town or the village they lived in. They were now kept in isolation outside of their towns. And literally everywhere they went, uh, anytime they saw a person, they would have to scream, unclean, unclean, to make the other people aware that they had leprosy. Now, to me, this next part is probably the worst part out of all of this. Because a person who had leprosy, they couldn't hug or they couldn't touch their wives or their children. They couldn't shake hands with a friend and they couldn't go to the temple to worship. It's kind of funny because when you look at all of that, it, it kind of makes what we think about social distancing really small and petty, doesn't it? But you see, once a, a person had been diagnosed with leprosy, they were considered incurable. After all, in biblical history, up until this point in time, there had only been two people that had been healed from leprosy. So as you can expect, these 10 guys that we find here in Luke chapter 17, they didn't have a lot of hope that their future could be changed. That was until Jesus showed up. Let's continue to read in Luke 17, verse 13. It says that when they saw Jesus, they raised their voices and called out, Jesus, Master. I love what the word Master there means. It means one who has supernatural authority and power. So they declared, Jesus, Master, the one who is able to change my situation, have mercy on us now. It says, when he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Here's what I love about Jesus. Notice it didn't say that when he saw their leprosy. No, no, it says that when he saw them. In other words, he didn't see them like everyone else saw them. He didn't see a diseased person, an unclean person. He didn't see a bunch of outcasts. When he saw those men, he saw 10 men who were created in the image of God who were born for a divine purpose. Verse 14 goes on to say this. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were miraculously healed and made clean. One of them, get that, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying and praising and honoring God with a loud voice. I love it that this guy's shout of praise was louder than his cry for help. And then it says this in verse 16. It says, and he lay face downward at Jesus's feet, thanking him over and over and over again. And it says this, it says he was a Samaritan, which probably gives us an indicator that the other nine were potentially Jews. But it goes on and says in verse 17 that Jesus asked, were not 10 of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? And then he says in verse 18, was there no one found to return and to give what? To give thanks, to give gratefulness and praise to God, except this foreigner. Verse 19, Jesus said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith or your personal trust in me and your confidence in God's power has restored you to health. The one thing that grabs my attention more than anything else in this portion of Scripture is how Jesus responded about the nine who did not return. I honestly believe that they were thankful that they were healed. You, you know, to stop and actually think for a second, how could they not be thankful that they were healed? They got their lives back. But, but somehow in the middle of all their excitement, they, they somehow miss Jesus' heart and motive for healing them. I honestly don't think that because they didn't return. I don't think that made Jesus angry. I, I just think it disappointed him and it hurt him. 
because of this, because I believe God not only expects us, his kids, to be a grateful people, but he also wants us to see that true thankfulness or true gratefulness focuses on the giver rather than the gift that was given. I want to say that again, that true thankfulness or true gratefulness focuses on the giver rather than the gift that was given. And that is what this lone Samaritan understood while the other nine didn't. Why am I bringing this up today? Because if we realize it or not, we weren't that different from these 10 lepers. We were all outcasts when it came to the kingdom of God because we were unclean in our sin. But thankfully, Jesus looked beyond our shortcomings, beyond our dirt, beyond our sin, beyond what anyone else thought about us. And he saw men and he saw women who were created in the image of God and born for a divine purpose. Aren't you thankful for that today? In doing so, remember our covenant series. He became our representative and our high priest so that he could offer us an abundant life through his death and resurrection. In other words, he gave us our life back that the leprosy of sin stole from us at the fall of man. I think King David said it best in 1 Chronicles chapter 17. It says this, it says, Then King David went in and he sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? I love that. Who am I that you have brought me this far? Martin Luther put it this way years ago. He said this. He said, see that you do not forget what you were before. At least you take for granted the grace and the mercy you receive from God and forget to express your gratitude each day. What a powerful statement. So with all of that in mind, in spite of everything that's going on, when was the last time that you actually stopped long enough, that we stopped long enough to just be grateful for everything that He has given us, to be grateful for His benefits and His blessings in our life? How about this? When's the last time just in prayer we said, Father, thank you for my salvation. Father, even this, that I, that I thank you for the cross and the resurrection, that I thank you that you've made your home in me, that I thank you for the Bible that you've given me so I can know your heart and I can know your words. How about the fact that we're just grateful for the fact that he hears our prayers and not only does he hear our prayers, but he answers our prayers. How about the fact that we can say, God, thank you for our church, right? How about that, that especially in the region we live in, we say, God, I'm thankful for other believers, even though they may not agree with me on everything. It doesn't matter, God, I'm thankful for them. You know, when's the last time we said, especially in this time, God, I thank you. I'm grateful for your protection over my life, that I'm thankful for the fact that one day, guess what, that I have a home with you in heaven. Or even this, that we just say, God, I am grateful for your presence in my life. There's so many things that we can be thankful for, isn't there, gang? You know, let's not make the mistake of becoming like the other nine lepers who took, you know, everything that Jesus did for them for granted. Before we close, I personally believe God doesn't just want us to be thankful or to be grateful for Him, even though that's paramount and uh, above anything else that, yes, he, we need to be grateful for Him first and foremost. But I also believe He wants us to be thankful for others around us. Let me share a quick story with you that I read some time ago. It's about a guy named Charles Plum. It says this, that Charles Plum was a United States Navy jet pilot in Vietnam. On his 76, that's crazy, on his 76 combat mission, his plane was hit by a surface-to-air missile that he ejected and floated down into the enemy's hands. Captured, he spent the next six years in a Vietnamese prison. 
He survived and, and the reason the whole story is written about him is because he now lectures on the lessons that he learned from his time that he was in captivity. The story goes on to say that one day he and his wife were sitting in a restaurant and a man from another table came over and said excitedly, you're Plum, you're Charles Plum. And he began to say, you flew jet fighters into Vietnam from the aircraft Kitty Hawk. You were shot down. He went on to reveal other uh, details of the mission that the normal person wouldn't know. And, and Plum's sitting there and he, he didn't recognize the man. So he asked him, he said, how in the world did you know all of that? Like, how did you know all the details about that mission? And the man replied, don't miss this. He replied, I packed your parachute. I was in the Navy too. I worked on the Kitty Hawk. Charles Plum sit there and he, and he couldn't believe it. He, he thanked the man for packing his parachute all those years ago. And the man shook his hand and he said, wow, I, I guess it worked. And, and Charles assured him, it sure did. If your chute wouldn't have worked, there's no way I would be here today. Fast forward in the story, Plum said this. He said that he, he couldn't sleep that night, that he, he kept thinking about the man. And he said, I, I kept wondering what he had looked like in a Navy uniform, white hat, you know, bib in the back, bell-bottom trousers. He said, I wondered how many times I might have ignored him, not even acknowledged him with a good morning. How are you? And then he said this. He said, you see, I was a fighter pilot and he was just a sailor. Charles thought about how many hours the sailor spent on that long wooden table in the bowels of the Kitty Hawk, carefully weaving the shrouds and folding the silks of each chute, each time holding in his hands the fate of someone he didn't know. Today, Charles Plum, when he gives his speech, he regularly asks people, who's packing your parachute? Because everyone relies on someone to make it through the day. There are so many people in our lives who are invisible or common to us that we just see every day. But in reality, they're packing our parachutes, aren't they? They're packing our parachutes mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. And we need to understand today that we need these parachutes. We need these people. And, you know, I found personally in life that sometimes we can get so called up in all the challenges of life and the busyness of life that it's easy to forget to express our simple gratitude to those who need to hear it the most. So I want to ask you one more time, just me and you personally, I want to ask you today, who is packing your parachute? You know, for some of you maybe that are sitting there on the couch this morning watching this right now, you, you need to maybe look around the room and realize that those people are the ones that are packing your parachute. Maybe if you're driving down the road, listening to this, whatever, that, that you need to remember just for a second, man, just God, who are the people that you have brought in my life that daily pack the parachute in my life? So in closing, let me just say this. Being grateful or ungrateful is a choice that we need to make. It's just like anything else. We, we choose what clothes to wear or clothes we won't wear. We choose what to eat or what not to eat. Likewise, we can choose to be thankful or we can choose to complain. The choice is really ours, isn't it, gang? So I just encourage you today that maybe we should make it our goal because it's a biblical principle that God wants in our life. So let's make it our goal today to choose gratefulness today. Let's pray and we'll close. Father, I thank you just for your word today. God, just... 
a simple truth, but Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that it would explode in our hearts. And Father, I just pray that just any ungratefulness that's in us today, that you would break it off in the name of Jesus. And Father, today that our hearts would be flooded, God, with just, uh, just gratefulness of who you are, what you've done for us, all your benefits and all your goodness that's in our lives. Because truly, God, you are a good God and you are a good dad. Father, we absolutely love you and we adore you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us here at Anchor at Home. God bless you. See you soon. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.